0: Hey everyone, Zach Dixon here, and welcome to our 45th episode of Animalators, curious conversations from the world of animation. Today on the show we have B. Grandinetti, a graphic designer, animator, and illustrator who is currently working as a part of the Google Creative Lab team in London. Bee has worked with a long list of some incredible studios and clients, such as Giant Ant, Brick, and Anime, just to name a few. Uh, Today on the show, we'll talk about Bee's time at Hyper Island and her current role in helping to shape its future, her broad perspective across freelance studio and full-time work, and we'll get into her recent Motionographer article discussing some of the struggles of working abroad. I'm excited to get into all of this and more on this week's episode of Animalators. Well, um, B, thank you so much for coming on the show,
1: dude. Thank you. Like, I'm, I'm super honored. I'm a big fan. I told you, yeah. I'm super honored to be here.
0: No, thank you. Um, well, we are, we are super honored to have you. Um, it's, it's been a long time coming. We've gotten a lot of uh, people asking, and and it's finally here. Uh, so I'm very excited. Um, so, I mean, you, you have you have we have quite a lot to talk about. I mean, you've been at um, some incredible studios. Um, you, you spent some time at Hyper Island, but but right now you are actually at Google Creative Lab. Um, so let's let's start there. Let's start with uh, the now. Tell us a little bit about. I, I know it's a little bit confidential, but tell us what you can. What what are you up to these days?
1: Yeah, like. There's not that much that I can talk <laughs> about, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, as, as I told you, like this whole confidential thing is at the beginning, I just thought, oh, well, such a bummer. I'm not, I'm going to be there like for ho- a whole year, but I'm not, not going to be able to tell anyone mm. what I'm doing. But the more time I spend there, the more I understand why things are confidential and why, you know, they need to protect the information. So whenever they release an information like is, is done in a proper way because otherwise it's just like massive lawsuits and a lot of complicated stuff. And, you know, there's just a lot of stuff that comes from being a massive company that I had no clue that existed. <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, so the Creative Lab is like, is this section of Google that does the more like experimental slash new technologies kind of projects. And then every year, like I think they have, yeah, they have a creative lab in London, one in New York, and one in Sydney. And then they every year they choose like five people to spend to spend eleven months there, and it's people from all sorts of disciplines, like UI/UX designers and designers, graphic designers, uh, motion people, and uh, also there might be another person joining us. That it's uh, AI. Person <laughs> just works with you know yeah artificial intelligence and stuff, and then Very like cool. yeah, yeah yeah super excited about that, but basically the idea is that you know they're gonna have these five people uh, at the lab for for eleven months and you know hopefully they're gonna get these five people to work together and develop projects themselves and and also you know be jumping on on the projects that are happening in the lab at the time that they're that they're there. Okay. So wow. Yeah.
0: So did, was this just kind of like an out of the blue, like Google kind of emailed you or something, or is this something you applied for? So
1: <laughs> it was it was the weirdest thing ever, because you, did. do you remember when they released the website that you could actually apply to be one of the Google Files? Oh,
0: that's right. It, wasn't it like a, you had to do some kind of like animation, like in a browser or something? Yes.
1: Yeah, precisely. That was like, I think it was around like May last year or something. And then... Uh yeah they released the website and by that time I, I looked into it and I was like oh this is so cool maybe I should apply for it and then and then back then I was like I had so much work to do I had no time and I was just like you know what whatever they're never going to pick me anyway so I might as well not <laughs> just not apply for it because you know they're never going to choose me and then a couple of months afterwards I just got this email completely out of the blue by like uh, this lady called Janae uh, that works at the lab. And she was like, and you know, at Google, they only write like super short emails most <laughs> of the times. So it was like, it was like this two paragraph email, like super really tiny, like, hey B, uh, I was wondering if you would be interested in, you know, joining the lab as uh, potentially one of the fivers. Wow. And I, <laughs> and I remember like I was in my bed and I, I just like stood up and I read the email like, 10 times, like, and and checked, you know, because it was Janae at Google. And I was like, this cannot be true, you know, and just, like, walking in circles and, like, completely losing my shit, you know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So that was, uh... (laughs) but then, like, that was such a long process, though, because the first time she wrote me, it was June last year. So literally, like, it took, yeah, it took, like, a whole year of conversation until I actually, <laughs> I actually started and it was like a massive, massive process. I think around January this year, I actually, you know, I had accepted that it was not going to happen. I was over it. I was like, yeah, you know, it was not meant to happen. I was, I was over it. <laughs> and then it was, yeah, it was just like a really, really long process, but now I'm there. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's incredible. Was there any, like, because, I mean, obviously you've you've had a great success freelancing and, and being at other studios. Was there any kind of, I don't know, hesitation from, like, stepping out of kind of the freelance world into Google for, for a year, especially with something that's so secretive um, for that, you know, long period of time?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's happening all the time now, like, daily. I'm scared <laughs> <Really? of> there. <that. laughs> no, because I think especially... In our industry, and especially if you're freelancing, there's always this because I think like if you're freelancing, you kind of always have to try to be on the radar and you know updating your website, putting your stuff out so people can you know see that you're still doing your thing and you're you know that you're evolving as well. And you know that, that that's the thing. Like I think people you know it might just be that you know I reached my my peak as a freelancer and, you know, was getting a lot of jobs, but it might be that in, in one year, everyone just forgets about me. And then I just become a no one again. (laughs) So, you know, that that's definitely something that I imagine that can happen. Like for these 11 months, I'm going to be there. I'm not going to be able to post any of the stuff that I'll be doing. And then people are just going to forget about me, (laughs) but (laughs) hopefully not. We'll see. I mean, it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a gamble. Like I was I was aware of the risk, but it was more like what drove me to accept it was like because Google is such a massive company, and I think that for once I have a chance to be in a place that I can do things that can potentially affect a lot of people. Oh yeah, you know, like they they had a lot of really cool projects, like uh, and projects that you know get massive and get seen by. By so many people, and if there is a chance of doing like a, a good and big impact on people's lives, I think it's that's that's one of the ways to do it. And you know, I I thought, well, you know, it's eleven months, and you know, it sounds like a lot, but really, like eleven months go go by so quickly.
0: I mean, that's really interesting. I feel like a lot of times, I don't know, for me personally, like we're working on stuff, even for like big companies, it still feels like you know the the people who really only truly appreciate it sometimes is, is our peers, right? Like our, our industry, I don't know, like the people who go to Blend and the people who listen to this podcast. But I don't know, sometimes when you step back and, and you think about the bigger picture, sometimes, I don't know, like me, I, I sometimes even wonder, like, you know, what what is the greater impact of, of of all this work that we are doing? I don't know, and I like that, that perspective from you.
1: Yeah, because that's, uh, if I have, I think, one goal of... Where I want to be like, I don't know, in, in a couple of years is hopefully my the, the plan that I have in the back of my head is that I want to become good enough so I can spend maybe half of my year uh, doing, you know, commercial jobs that are going to hopefully pay me a lot <laughs> or not a lot, but at least as much as I the Joey, Joey Corman seems to get paid. Right, yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, from, from his episode, like, I, I don't know, you guys were discussing, like, oh, yeah, but I started making, like, three figures. Yeah. I was like, huh? does that happen in the U.S.? <laughs> because it definitely doesn't happen here in the U.K. <laughs> what's, what's going on in the U.S.? <laughs> but, you know, hopefully, like, I will start making a bit more money so I can, you know, spend half of my year working on those commercial projects that, you know, get get bills paid yeah. and spend half of my year just doing stuff that I really care about and being able to, you know, do projects for causes that I care about and NGOs and, you know, that kind of stuff. And for people, you know, that need this kind of work but aren't just not able to pay for it.
0: No, definitely. So we'll
1: see. That's that's the plan in the back of my head. We'll see how far, <laughs> how far I can go. Yeah,
0: no, for sure. But I, I I love the the focus with Google as well too, though, because I mean they definitely have the the platform and the audience to to get work and products and things that people use in front of millions and millions and millions of people. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's really interesting. Okay, so let's let's jump back in time a little bit. Um, so I understand you grew up in in Brazil. Is your family still living in Brazil?
1: Yes, mom and dad still living in Brazil, but my sister actually lives here in London. So, oh, okay. Yeah, nice. they they lost they they lost the two kids to London. <laughs>
0: <laughs> did she did she move to London before you, or did who, who followed you? Who?
1: No, she actually followed me. Oh, nice. <laughs> she followed the, the the little sister. No, but actually, she was living in in Dublin for. Five or six years and then she just she moved to London afterwards.
0: Nice. Do you guys see each other often?
1: Uh yeah. I mean we when I when I try to have a social life, or <laughs> I try to see her. <laughs> no, but it's just that together with, you know, starting at Google, I was also trying to take some freelance gigs on the side. I was doing like this thing for school of motion. Oh nice. And yeah, but I just I, I realized that I might as well try to start having a social life and start to, you know, say, say no to stuff. <laughs> so, but, yeah, but that, that's going to be a bit of a a goal and, you know, something to change this year, like try to work a little bit less, but yeah, but I get to see her often. It's good.
0: So on that note, do you find that it, you have to force yourself to be social? I think it can be a little bit addicting to, sometimes to stay at home and just, you know, keep plugging away on your, on your skills or on a personal project or something.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I am a very social person, but I think I am as a social person as I can be a bit of a workaholic person as well. <laughs> like I really like, it's it's because I really, really love what I'm doing. So it's, you know, it's not a painful thing for me to work in a way. Uh, so you know, it's, it's a bit of, it's a bit of a pleasure as well when, when I'm working. So it's, it's not that painful, but also like. I think I've been having a, a bit like a lot of stuff happening as well because there's the Google thing and I was you know getting some freelance stuff on the side and then I'm also helping Hyper Island like reshape oh, their wow. their motion program and then like now I'm gonna start contributing to Motionographer a bit more often so it's just well those are all very <laughs> just big been a little bit, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I have to I have to fix my life. So I, have to <laughs> <laughs> I just need I just need a day that lasts for thirty hours. That's what I need to do. I hear
0: you. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh wow. I mean it's not
1: like it's it's not like having a kid like you just did, but you know. <laughs> That that's gonna be a whole new challenge.
0: <laughs> oh yes, yes, and I'm still still unpacking that one, and I'm sure I will be for the rest of my life. But oh my goodness, the the things that you just said. Okay, so motionographer, we got to talk a little bit about your motionographer ar- article, and we got to talk about Hyper Island as well. So we'll, we get to those in a second. So you studied graphic design in Brazil, um, and then I understand you got a job doing doing keynote presentations. Is that right? Uh,
1: yeah, it was. I mean. <laughs> I, <laughs> No, I mean, it's, it sounds awful, but it was actually super fun. Uh, So I graduated in graphic design and uh, actually towards the end of my graphic design program, I was, I started to touch like a tiny, tiny, little bit of motion. And my graduation project was this incredibly long, unnecessarily (laughs) long, uh, six minute motion piece about sexual taboos for girls. And it was like it was super fun. I I was like, shit, you know, this is this is what I want to do. Like I, I want to do motion. I was so into it. And you know, it's horrible it, if you watch it these days. Like it's horrible. Like an animation is the worst. It's it's so bad. But anyway, like I was I was you know I was enjoying myself. <laughs> and uh, and I was you know by the time you would think yeah now now she's gonna go you know she's gonna start going towards motion la la la. I just ended up moving to São Paulo and. Working at this company, that they do a lot of trend research and like uh, help big companies with branding and strategy, and so they, they just do like massive research with you know focus groups and uh, field research that kind of stuff. And to present those researches to to the big companies, they do like this insane two hundred slides uh, keynote presentations and. And it sounds really boring, <laughs> but it was actually like I learned so <laughs> I learned so much about design back then. Like I think my my ex-boss, she's still like the best designer I've ever met, and it teaches you so much about storytelling still because like it's it's like a 5-hour presentation that you need to keep people interested in, you know, for 5 hours. And then you learn so much about typography and hierarchy and layout and, you know, it was still like very interesting. And I think that especially because the content of the presentations were so fresh and so nice. Like it was about, you know, how, how the new generations are behaving and, you know, how they are consuming stuff and what's, what, what's important to them. And, you know, so it was still like, even though it was doing the layouts for keynote presentations, it was still like a very refreshing content. And I was, I was hooked for like a year and a half, (laughs) but then after a year and a half, I thought. I might as well just give, you know, the whole motion thing like a proper chance and that's when I decided to to drop my life in Sao Paulo and go to Sweden.
0: Oh okay, wow. So before we get to, to Sweden and Hyper Island, that's that's a lot of that's a lot of slides for one, but um, <laughs> No, that that's amazing. I, I actually I always love going to conferences, right? Because I mean, w- design conferences specifically. Because man, everybody's got the best best keynote presentations, and of course, you did at Blend, which we were just just at. What was that? I don't know. It felt like yesterday or a year ago. I can't decide. Um, but um,
1: I'm I'm still I'm still in pain. Really? I'm still i still feeling the blues. Yeah, no, but it's it's just that. <laughs> It went away so quickly, and it, it was did. it was so
0: awesome. Your talk was incredible. I know, I know you're going to say that you were super nervous, but you did great. So
1: thank um, you.
0: It was it was fantastic.
1: Your animal leaders was awesome as
0: well. Oh, thank you. Oh my gosh, that was so fun. I, I couldn't couldn't believe it. Okay, so so moving on to to Sweden. So Hyper Island, right? I mean, was was there any other kind of school in your mind, or was that was that it? Like, was that where you were going?
1: Um. I remember before I was doing a bit of research, and uh, there was VFS in Canada. Okay, yeah. Oh, it was. It was so expensive. Mm. It's crazy expensive. Yeah. Then there was uh, there's Gobelin in France. Have you heard of it?
0: Uh, I don't believe so. No.
1: Oh, dude, you have to check. You have to check them really? out. I can send you the link afterwards. But it's like it's the most, it's the most insane, insanely talented people. Like it. They. The people that go to Goblon are the people that go to Disney afterwards. But it's like it's a very oh, technical school as well, yes. like very you know traditional frame by frame animation. I don't.
0: I think I know what you're talking about. I don't think I've ever heard it pronounced properly, and that's why I hadn't heard of it. Nate, Nate talks. One of our animators uh, at IV talks about it all the time, and now he's gonna he's gonna kill me after this for saying I haven't heard of it. So sorry, <laughs> Nate. <laughs>
1: No, but bear in mind, I probably, I'm 100% sure I haven't pronounced it correctly, but it's something around like, I don't know, Le Legoblon or... So I was, you know, checking a couple of names, but for Goblon, like the, the main program that they have there, you... Actually, they changed it, but before you used to have to know French to be able to go there and, you know, it was, yeah, it was... It was more restricted and they have an age limit as well. Uh, so they only take like prodigies and, you know, amazing prodigy people. So I, w- I wasn't one of them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was just researching a couple of schools and, uh, and back then, because Hyper, they also do this like tour that they go to a couple of countries and giving like a couple of talks about, you know, how Hyper works and... And then they they gave one in Sao Paulo and I went to, and I was like, ah, this is so amazing. I need to go there and, you know, just got super pumped about it. And that's that's how I decided to go there. And I had a guy from my hometown that went there. So, you know, I kind of knew it by name and, you know, it had a good reputation, I guess that's the word. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it was like, what I knew about Hyper, which was good actually that I knew before I went to Hyper, is that it's very focused on the creative process and, team dynamics and a lot of, you know, learning about yourself, really. So it was, it was good that I knew about that before I went to Hyper because I got, you know, I, I knew where to set my expectations, I guess, because it's, you know, back then it was even less of a technical school when I went there. Like it was very, like it was a motion program, but I didn't learn a lot about motion at the, at least in my year, because I think they've been developing that quite a lot. It's been, it's been getting better. <laughs>
0: And now it sounds like you you even have a chance to kind of shape its future. So like what, what's kind of your role in that moving forward? And I don't know, what would you change about your time there that you hope um, maybe future students of Hyper Island can experience?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's been super exciting. And I, I think like I just always or, you know, as much as possible, I would love to always get involved with students because I think they it just gives you so much energy and so much motivation and you just, whenever I go there, it just makes me, you know, feel super fresh and inspired and stuff. And, you know, I just, I also like, I I don't want to stop being a student, you know, I want to keep on taking like smaller courses. Like last year I went to, so the French school that I told you about, they do like this summer school on character animation. Oh wow. And it's just, yeah, it's really cool. And it's only for two weeks. And I was like, well, you know, I cannot afford stop working for a whole year <laughs> yeah. and you know do a, pr- a program, but two weeks, yeah, I can you know I can go there for two weeks. So I'll I think I'm gonna try to do the, that kind of thing of you know always doing like being a bit of a student again, like here and there, and you know try to keep that up.
0: That sounds incredible.
1: Yeah, it was amazing. I, I definitely it's it's not the cheapest, but I but I definitely recommend it. It was really really good, and they are insane.
0: How's your French? Is that any of a, a difficulty?
1: No, that that was in English. Okay, nice, <laughs> nice. I I couldn't, I couldn't done it in, I could never done it in, in French. No, no French, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but no, but with Hyper, like, so they have this name that they pick a, a couple of people to be what they call industry leaders, which is basically like just consultants that, you know, Help shaping the whole curriculum and help shaping the program and uh, and because like both in my year and I think on Lynn's year as well it, it was just like a one year program and now they recently started um, a two year program and then they just wanted like to get to get things right and you know structure the whole because it's quite a new version of the program like having it being two years. So they just called like a couple of people, like three industry leaders to, you know, think about it. How is it going to be and what? And it was good because like uh, the other two guys were the, the other industry leaders. They're more like <laughs> grown ups being in, in the industry for <laughs> No, but yeah, but they've been, in, they've been doing this for a while, you know, while I had the student perspective, you know, like I've been through hyper and I knew the things that I really wanted to be different from the year that I went to yeah, so you know, it's been I've been trying to push for a couple of different things, like having a longer period of time that they can put a lot of effort into making a nice, solid final project that can, you know, because I didn't have I didn't have time to do that at all when I was a hyper, so that was a bit of a waste in that sense that, you know, I think it's always good to have a final project that you can show everything that you learned and that can also, you know, lead you places and help you on the future steps, you know, after you leave the school. So trying to push for that and try to push it, definitely trying to push it to be more technical. So they have like a, I mean, not, not to be like a, a technical school, but to have at least a bit more, you know, of an overview of all the, the crafts and the areas, like they get to see a bit of 2D, 3D cell animation, stop motion, a bit of live action as well. So, you know, just that they have a bit more hands-on time to learn those kind of things.
0: What were some of the gaps that you felt like you had when you came out of school and kind of started, like, full-time, like, working in the industry?
1: Oof. I mean, it was mostly the technical ones. Really? Because I, yeah, because in my year at Hyper, so it was like, It's a whole year, but it's nine months of hyper. And then the final three months, you're supposed to find an internship. So then like, I think during those nine months during my year, I only maybe had like three or four workshops, like, you know, technical workshops that you get to sit down with someone Because, yeah, I guess Lynn told you on her podcast, but Hyper has no teachers whatsoever. So it's, you're either like learning by yourself or learning with friends that know more about you, about a certain topic, or you just learn through your internships, really, you know, the technical, technical bits. And yeah, I just had like three workshops. Like one was with Animate, the other one was with Claudio and Alex Berry. They came together. Wow.
0: That's pretty amazing, though. That's a, quite, the, quite the lineup. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that's... I, I told you that's where I met Claudia. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. it was, like, in a way, like, Hyper is really good for that because, like, since it has no teachers, it brings over people from the industry to give you, like, lectures and workshops. And it kind of, like, connects you to people from the industry and you get, you know, it's, it's just, like, a nice a nice bridge, you know, like it, it starts to put you in the mindset and you get more, more familiar with, you know, what's happening and, and who works in the industry. And it just like starts a conversation really, which I thought was, yeah, that's a really, a really good aspect, I think, from Hyper.
0: No, totally. So your first internship was at Brick, right? Who, who we've, we've had on the show before, which was, was awesome. So yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Tell us a little bit about your kind of first true industry experience? How did, how did it go? Was it, was it an easy transition?
1: Yeah, I mean, the boys, they're super sweet. I mean, I think that back then it took me a while to, because like back then, you know, you had to apply to an internship and back then I applied to Giant End. I wasn't able to go there because of visa stuff. Uh, And then like last minute, you know, I ended up just staying in Stockholm and having my first internship at Brick. And back then, like, it was totally not on the boys at all. But like, because, you know, when you have the mindset like, oh no, now I'm going to go to another country. Like, you know, I, I was prepared to go to Canada and I was super pumped about it. And I was, I was already, to be fully honest, I was already a little bit sick about, about Sweden and the darkness. Oh, and really? Cold. Oh. It was, it was hard because like before Sweden, I've never even seen autumn before. Because, you know, Brazil ah. Brazil has no seasons. Like, Brazil is just variations of summer. <laughs> okay. There are no seasons at all. <laughs> so, you know, I never even seen autumn before. So the whole thing was, like, completely opposite from everything that I knew, you know. So so the darkness was really, it was really getting on me. Like, I, I've never been depressed, but I think that back then it was the closest I've ever felt oh, wow. to, to feeling a bit depressed, you know. Yeah. And that, and that, like, going together with not being able to go to Giant because of visa stuff, I, I was like, oh And then, you know, seeing myself, okay, I'm going to have to stay in Stockholm. But, you know, like, so then I started a break. And I think at the beginning I was, you know, a little bit sick of Sweden. And that was, like, getting on me. But as it went, you know, like, the boys are super sweet. They're awesome. And I learned so much. It was when I started to to learn a bit more Photoshop animation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, because they, uh, there's this guy called Edward Mulder that works there and he's like king of cell animation. So he taught me so much. And uh, you know, the, the guys there are just super sweet. I mean, Sweden is uh, work-wise, like it, it's amazing. You know, it's very horizontal people, you know, they have a very healthy mindset when it comes to like working hours. Oh, that's great from nine to six, you know, and it, it was just like super awesome time. And, and, you know, it's, it was a lot of boys <laughs> <laughs> now. I think they have a, a couple more girls in the studio, but back then it was like me and nine boys, Oh no! <laughs> but we, yeah, but no, but we had fun. We had fun, but yeah, it was, you know, the first kind of experience and, you know, just getting, getting some learnings in after effects and Photoshop and. Spending you know but in a way it was kind of I don't know like life has some interesting ways sometimes because because I didn't go to Canada and ended up staying in Sweden, I ended up meeting my husband oh wow on those like three yeah so you know maybe it was meant to happen maybe I, I was supposed yeah I was supposed to go to Canada at all so you know I don't know <laughs> life is life is fun life is
0: fun so is your, is your husband Swedish?
1: Uh, he looks like a Swede, but he's Brazilian. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so that's, you know, that's so fucked up, like going to the other side of the world <laughs> to meet another Brazilian. So, you know, yeah, no, he's Brazilian.
0: I was going to say that maybe that's nice for, for going home, but I mean, the chances of him actually living anywhere close to your family in Brazil is probably tiny, right?
1: Uh, it's fairly close for Brazilian standards, okay. but that means that we're like, Eight hours yeah, in a car, yeah, yeah. kind of distance, you know. <laughs> so you know, fairly close for Brazilian standards. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, okay. So you spent spent time in in Sweden. What what was next, kind of on your k- career adventure?
1: Well, I ended up going to Brazil, uh, going back to Brazil for three months, uh, just trying to fix my life in some some aspects. And then, as I was there, uh, I just started talking to Blink. Blink is like, is a studio that has like a couple of directors that are represented by, by Blink, like kind of like Hornet as you guys have it in the US. And uh, that's after, you know, those mobs in Brazil, I just came to London and that was my second internship, uh, which was, you know, completely different from my first internship. It was because, uh, you know, since they have a lot of different directors signed with Blink, it's like a very wide range of projects. So, you know, one day I would be doing a bit of 2D animation. The other day I would be a data wrangler in a set. <laughs> you know, that I, I think it's it's fun because I didn't even know that word existed, like data wrangler. I didn't know that was like a, something that needed to be done, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, doing that. And then the other day I would be doing like a lot of, masking and rotoscoping in After Effects, which, you know, (laughs) not exactly what we like to do, but still, (laughs) but still like it it got me, you know, it got me very way, way faster in After Effects. And so So it was like a wider, I guess, like a wider range of different uh, experiences. And, you know, I just, I just got to meet loads of talented people as well. So it was, you know, very, very rich in that sense that, you know, you, I, Yeah, just getting to meet so many talented people.
0: How do you feel about that model? I mean, there's a lot of studios, a lot of amazing studios that are set up that way, like um, especially like the more director based, you know, model like, um, um, I don't know, like Elastic or, um, oh my goodness, the the name has escaped me. Where's Colin Hesterly right now? not to scale like that, that type of of situation. Um, yeah, you've, you've had experiences in, in both. Would you ever consider signing on to, to a studio that's a little bit more director based like that? Or do you like the, the team approach a little bit better?
1: Well, I I don't know if they ever will ever like to sign me, but (laughs) I don't, I don't, I don't really see that happening, but I mean, I've been to Nexus as well. Have you heard of it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, so many freaking talented people there as well. I mean, it's. I think it's really nice to go as a as a freelancer because you get to see, you know, there's interesting interesting projects happening like three or four at the same floor, you know, and you just get to see like, oh, this is so cool, this is so cool. Oh, it's you. You're amazing, <laughs> yeah. and you're like, you know, <laughs> and it's a lot of talented people. So it's it's really interesting in that sense. But I feel more. Driven towards like smaller places, that coming from a person that's working at Google, mm. but
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: but <laughs> makes no sense, no. But I just, I feel that in smaller places, you can develop like the the relationships better, and and communication tends to be more efficient. Mm. Yeah, you get what I mean. Oh, totally. Because, like, I feel that sometimes in big companies, like, you lose so much time in, like, meetings and, you know, things just don't come across because communication just gets lost, you know, in the middle. And I don't know. I, I like small companies, I think. I like small studios.
0: Yeah. I mean, could you speak – I mean, there's definitely pros and cons of both, right? I mean, there, there's certainly a a type of work that's only possible at, at a big studio um, like Buck. But then, I mean – people are able to make amazing work on their own or with just a few people. Um, So definitely, yeah, I don't know. I guess it just kind of, do do you find that it limits you at all when when you're working on a smaller team?
1: I prefer it, to be honest. Like, I think if you have less but better people, that's, you know, that's ideal. It's better to have like five really awesome people rather than having like 30 Average people, you know, because sometimes that, that generates more work than having, like, less, but, you know, the right, the right people for the job. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I had a couple of experiences, like, working in, you know, massive teams that they were, like, maybe unnecessarily big and way less efficient than they would be if it was, you know, like a smaller team.
0: So you've you've also spent quite a bit of time freelancing as well, um, working with a bunch of different studios, but also kind of direct to client as well. I mean, could you talk a little bit about the differences between you know studio life and freelancing life? And um, yeah, just kind of start, talk about that that contrast a little bit.
1: You mean like being from being a full timer at a place, yeah. than then being like freelancing,
0: or I mean, have you I, have you done much like direct to client work as well, or is it mostly freelancing with studios?
1: Yeah. No 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 actually like it was funny though like once i was talking to claudio that here in london like he's been mostly going to studios and working in house rather than like i think in my first and then, yeah maybe my like my first year and a half i was mostly working from home so you know yeah maybe sometimes it's just like a matter of you know timing and a bit of a coincidence but i think that like maybe I don't know eighty percent of the stuff that I was doing was just like working from home with either like you know remote like clients in another country or just you know having straight to client kind of kind of projects yeah
0: do you do you like working from home? I feel like a lot of people have a love a love hate relationship with it.
1: I love working from home really? I miss it so much <laughs> I love it. I love working from my pajamas. <laughs> I have no problems like <laughs> no, but really because I feel that some people they really have this like strong struggle that they need to go to another place to feel that they are in a working, you know, kind of mindset. And, you know, I, I, I heard that people like, they just maybe, you know, they change their clothes, they take, you know, a walk <laughs> around the block and they go back to yeah. their, <laughs> just to feel that they, you know, they've done the commute. That's a great idea. And they, they're, they're, yeah, right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but I never had this issue. Like I love working from home because I feel that I, I respect my needs way more like, you know, Oh, like now I'm in a good flow. So then like I work for, I don't know, three hours in a row and then, Oh, now I might as well just do a bit of laundry. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, like I, I, I give, you know, a couple of very, I take a couple of very useful breaks, I think. And I, I do feel that when I'm working from home, I get so much stuff done. And my day just lasts for way longer. Well, for example, now that, you know, I wake up, get my breakfast and and cycle to Google and then spend the day there. And then by the time that I'm back, I literally like I have time to take a shower, eat something, talk a bit to my husband. And then, you know, it's time to go to bed already. So <laughs> I feel like I've done, you know, I've done nothing. With yeah. my, like by the time, you know, I'm done with my stuff, I already have to go to bed and there is... Nothing to do with my evening, really. And I don't have the feeling at all when I'm freelancing. Like, I, I just feel that I get more stuff done, I think. But I don't know. Like, it's both with, like, I think it's a lot of pros and cons with being a full-timer and being a freelancer. Like, with being a freelancer, like, what I felt, especially because in my case, I was working a lot from home. You do miss... Having other people around you, it can get very lonely sometimes because, you know, you don't have anyone sitting besides you, or at least in my case, because I was working from home, but, you know, I didn't have anyone to bounce ideas with or, you know, to, hey, what do you think about this? Or, you know, even to learn stuff from, because like, I think when, when you're like a full-time, a full-timer at a studio, you can just like, oh, wh- what's this that you're doing? And then, you know, you learn so in a very like fluid and nice way with people there sitting beside you, while when you're freelancing is you know it's another way of learning which is we can it can be a little less fun in in some way. So you know I do you know it's and also like when you're a full timer you do get to build relationships with the people that you're working with and that's that's pretty awesome. While when you're a freelancing even when you're working in house you're only there for like couple of months, you know, in the longest case scenario. And it's like a, a temporary thing, you know, you don't get to, most of the times you don't get to build like deeper relationships with people. So it's a, it's a bit of a shame though, in that sense. I don't know. Yeah. It's pros pros and cons, you know, like with, with being a freelancer, you know, getting to choose the stuff that you're doing, if, if you're lucky. I mean, there's, you know, the, I, I know people that went on the freelance side and they were struggling super much with finding work and stuff. So, you know, I, I think I, I, yeah, I think I was really lucky in that sense that it was never an issue to get more work.
0: Speaking of learning from your peers, I mean, I feel like you're you're probably in a very um, unique situation right now. I mean, how's that going at Google with all of these kind of different um, skill sets kind of sitting around and working with you every day?
1: Dude, I, I think it's going to be so cool. It's, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to, like, observe and absorb, <laughs> like the most, you know, just trying to be like a little sponge and, you know, see things around me and trying to learn as much as I can. Because uh, I, I don't know, everything there is like so new to me and all the conversations, like. Oh yeah. I, I remember like on your, your podcast with, with Daniel Savage, like you were talking, oh, don't chase the technology and everyone's so excited about VR. And, <laughs> but I, I am super, I'm super excited about VR. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, because i never done anything on VR, or not even just VR, but, you know, AR as well, like augmented reality. And I, I'm just excited to explore those things and do, you know, do animation for them and just 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 learn new stuff, you yeah. know, basically.
0: Have you experimented with any of, like, the VR painting or anything like that?
1: Oh, Tilt Brush is amazing. Yeah. It's so cool. But, you know, if you spend too long on it, it, it gives you, like, severe headaches. Oh, really? So. Yeah, yeah. But no, it's, it's, oh, there's actually, there is this awesome, have you, have you tried Tilt Brush?
0: I have not, no. We, we really, we keep bringing it up in, in early phases of projects, trying to get it into like an animated piece over here. And it just never ends up being enough time, but, uh, I really want to.
1: Oh, dude, you have to try it. And then like when I was at Nexus, uh, they showed me like there's, it's kind of like Tilt Brush, but it's for animation. Oh, wow. And then you can basically like, yeah, it's so cool. Like you can draw like a frame and then you, you, it's basically like cell animation, but yeah. on a 3D space, like on, you know, on VR. And it was so cool. Like I made like this super basic, like just a line, you know, going across and stuff, but it was, it was so cool. I don't know. I I'm, I still get super excited about this kind of stuff. Maybe I'm in the wrong, in the wrong side, but <laughs> I get super excited about all the stuff that you can do with VR and AR.
0: I've been tracking with a little bit of um, the kind of indie game dev scene as we're working on our game over here, Um, and man, there's some. There's I saw someone working on a new. It might be Blocks by Google. I can't remember if that's what it's called, but it looks amazing. It's like a lot, kind of like this three D modeling in VR space or something like that. It is super cool.
1: It is Blocks. (laughs) I'm so like we've been talking at the lab, like oh, we need to get this uh, running here at on the lab so we we can play with it. It it looks super cool, but I haven't get I didn't get a chance to explore it yet. But it looks super fun. Yes, it does. But yeah, but the other day, like one of the guys he was saying something that I I agreed with that. He said that he was more excited towards AR like augmented reality rather than VR because AR is more like building up on your environment you know on your real environment around you while VR is is just like it's creating this, heel, this whole other like alternate reality that you you just step in you know so and I do agree like it's 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 interesting, more interesting, maybe like not trying to, you know, put someone in another place, but just modify the environment that the person is in already and, you know, yeah, I don't know, interesting discussions and we'll see, hopefully I'm going to get to explore a lot of that this year.
0: Yeah, that sounds that would be incredible. I mean, it's amazing what what is happening, especially with like AR Kit, like Apple's new thing, and then its in integration with Unity and all that stuff. Like, it's kind of wild. Um, I've we've been kind of dreaming over here of making like an augmented reality board game. Um, oh, yeah, I think it might be our next project after our game or after uh, Bouncy Smash, our, our iOS game. We might might try a little augmented reality board game. We'll see. Maybe kickstart it or something but it's gonna be fun it'll be interesting to see where this all goes but um, yeah and I'm very I, I wish we could talk more about your, your Google stuff but I mean we'll just have to wait you know what what is it nine more nine more months to see it
1: A uh, ten more months ten but more I don't months. know let, we'll see if any of the things that I'll, I'll do there is gonna you know become public and then yeah we'll see yeah it's no no way to know.
0: Well, so as far as your own like kind of personal development, is there anything that you're kind of like actively like, I'm trying to get better at this right now?
1: So I have a couple of goals. I had a couple of, you know, New Year's resolutions. We are in August. I've achieved none.
0: (laughs) I mean, you know, it's it's (laughs) like half a year. It's it's fine. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Just half a year, precisely at the moment that I became a full-timer. <laughs> That's, it's totally going to happen. <laughs> no, but we'll see. Like, I really wanted to learn uh, animate, you know, uh, flash.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Both uh, animate and uh, TV paint. Like, I, I got to touch a tiny, tiny bit of TV paint when I was a goblin, but And it's like, I spent one day at TV paint. And I was just like, I just wanted to kill myself. I was, like, why have I been using f- why am I doing this on Photoshop all this long? I'm like the most stupid person ever. Because like it's because TV paint is so much better. Really? It's so much more like, yeah, it's it's so much quicker. Like the whole because the thing is, like Photoshop is it's like adapted for animation, but it's not, yeah. you know, built for it. While, you know, TV Paint, like the whole interface is way more intuitive and you know, it's so much better. Uh, but then you know it's it's paying for a whole extra thing on top of the Adobe Creative Cloud thing. Totally. So I've, I've been and then also, when I was a Goblin, I had this realization that I really want to take I really want to have acting classes.
0: Oh wow, okay, yeah,
1: yeah, because i I really felt that like a huge part of being, especially like because the more I've been doing character animation, the more the more I like it. The more you know, I feel like ah, oh, this is this is so cool. You know, it's because I think it's so it's so challenging and it's so I don't know. I think it's so much fun as well. And I think like especially after Go belong like it, it was so clear in my head that a lot of getting better at it is also getting better at you know observing people and observing how they move and recreating that and you know learning how how to represent that in a way. And I think that like taking you know acting like drama, drama classes or something. It would be, it would be awesome. I love that. Something to research. <laughs>
0: yeah, for sure. Have you like, have you looked into any classes? Like when's your first class?
1: Mm, soon. <laughs> soon enough.
0: <laughs> no, that that's, I love that idea. I've never heard of anyone doing that, but I don't, I don't know why I haven't. That's awesome.
1: It feels like it's something that, cause I almost feel that like, you know us, like the motion motion designers. We're not like the real real animators. <laughs> yeah, right. But I feel yeah. it's something like the, the the real animators would be doing.
0: I, I was well. I saw it was it was, a, it was a, an, a like a breakdown of a couple shots from the movie Boss Baby of all things. Which I have I haven't seen, but like it was of of two animators. I think they were the lead animators for the characters, and they were. It was a side-by-side of their kind of like reference, like acting versus their animation on screen. And man, like everything, everything that they were doing, like everything that you saw in the animated characters was in their faces. And I was like, oh my, like I could, like I'm so far removed from, from being able to like physically act. like, And I, I think that um, you saying that just like rem- reminded me of that. I was like, yeah, like acting classes would be so helpful.
1: No, but totally like, and we were doing that all the time when I was a goblin and it's like, and I do feel, I mean, I've been doing that before as well. Like I do feel that you need to feel the movement in your body first and then, you know, so, so you see like, oh, you have to move this arm and then you have to understand which part of the arm is moving first, you know, and what's, what's following afterwards. And like, I feel that even when I'm, I don't know, animating a ball, I do the movement with my hand. You know, like, and, you know, sound effects and all of that just helps you get the rhythm right. You know, that's uh, definitely one of the, the big plans, like doing acting classes. But, you know, again, like I have so many plans. I want to do like pottery classes. I want to do ukulele oh. lessons. So, oh, you know, wow. I don't know. I have to prioritize stuff in my life.
0: I mean, is music something that you Do you play any other instruments or is ukulele just one you've wanted to always learn?
1: No, I mean, actually, I was, uh, so when I I was a teenager, I really, really, really wanted to play the bass. And then my parents said, like, oh, no, we're not going to put you in the (laughs) the bass class because, like, you're going to have to be in a band because bass is like, it's not that much of an individual instrument and stuff. And I was so frustrated. Like, I think my biggest teenager frustration is that I never had a band (laughs) really but yeah but but now but now I'm trying to have a band with my husband so you know that might be fixed finally (laughs) finally
0: that's do you do you sing and and write as well uh we're
1: (laughs) kind of like on on, we're kind of like on the cover kind of spectrum for now but you know let's see how how it evolves
0: yeah that's awesome but
1: then yeah, no, but then my parents, they ended up putting me like in guitar lessons, you okay. know, it's, which is yeah, not not that bad. You know, guitar is like, I think it's a step for you to, if you know guitar, like I think jumping on a bass is, is a bit easier. But I don't know. I Yeah, I just, I think I grew up and I started to become more and more lazy. So ukulele became the, <laughs> the quick, easy, easy choice. But now I'm starting to learn, finally starting to learn a bit of bass, actually. So Nice. That's fun good. times.
0: that's very fun are you familiar with impactist at all?
1: yes they 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 gave a, a talk at the first place yeah
0: right? yeah and they yep. I, I love that they do music as well like they even have it as like a, a portfolio section of their website We were actually just listening to them today in the office but I was like I want more like motion animation like music crossovers so I don't know because I grew up playing music too
1: but do you, do you play anything what do you play
0: I do. Well, I went to school for music. I, I studied Ooh. guitar and and vocal, like voice in school. Like I took classical, like vocal uh, classes and stuff. Like I, I sang in front of professors in a different language, um, which I did. It was fine.
1: <laughs> wait, 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 but what, what, what kind of classical?
0: singing do you do i'm curious now oh uh, no no it's it's <laughs> not anymore i have not i my um <laughs> animation is is more than a full-time job at this point um so i i, I unfortunately let my music skills slide um but i still ah uh, i still love it and yeah
1: oh man so, we should we should play it like we should we should do something at the next band like give a very a very yeah, horrible right? uh, performance oh, no. like because in the middle of the you know during the day they had those guys playing outside we should do one of those yeah. just for this just for the sake of making people have a horrible day
0: yeah there you go we could start an animalators band you know get get different people who've been on the show it's perfect
1: oh no. yes let's do that <laughs> awesome. <laughs>
0: So your your motionographer article that that just came out I mean you you interviewed a a ton of people about um what it's like moving away from home for your your career so could I mean for people who haven't haven't read it please pause the episode go read it it, it is wonderful but but for those of you who who won't um could you just kind of explain to us a little bit about um the the write up that you just did
1: Dude first I'm I'm super honored that you read the whole thing because <laughs> my first thought was like no one is going to read this. This is way too long. (laughs) No one's, no one's going to have the patience. No, but it was, it was actually like, I don't know what, why I did this to myself because I mean, writing is already a bit of a challenge and writing in another language is like, you get to see all of your, you know, all the words that you repeat. And you know, it's, it's, it's really hard to write in another language. uh, No, but it was basically like Joe Donaldson. He wrote me like, Hey, uh, it would be awesome to, you know, have you writing about your experiences uh, living abroad and, you know, everything that you went through. And then I just wrote him back like, "Hey, but wouldn't it be like cooler, even cooler, if you know, th- there was like a couple of other expats like sharing their their experiences as well and, you know, just crossing over and see like similar experiences and talking about, you know, the hard bits and good bits." And he, yeah, he's, he just said, "Yeah, go for it." and Then I interviewed 23 people, I think. Yeah, (laughs) And it was, I think, it was like over 70 pages. Wow,
0: that's a lot of work.
1: Yeah,
0: that's intense.
1: It was. And then I was just like, and, and and it feels so hard as well, because like you connect so much with people's answers and their own, you know, stories. And it feels like such a pain whenever you have to just like sharpen your knife, you know, and just like cross, take out a bunch of interesting stuff. And you're like, oh, like I had to remove like whole, whole sections of stuff that I thought it was awesome. But you know, if, if you read it and you know, it was already too long, no one would read it at all. If I, if I left it, you know, as, as big as it was in the beginning. So I think we ended up with 11 pages of people's (laughs) inputs of what, what it is, what it is to live abroad.
0: So going through all those different different experiences, I mean, obviously you found a lot of common threads. Was there anything that jumped out at you or maybe even surprised you in that process?
1: I did get a sense of how, you know, even though we're we're all, you know, expats coming from all different sides of the world, there's definitely countries or you know, people that come from other countries that have a way harder time you know that there's still like privileges within being an expat, if I if that's the right way to put it. Like, for example, do you know Arm? That works at Wonderlust.
0: Um, I, I I don't believe we have met in person, unless we met briefly at Blend. But yes, I know who he is.
1: Yeah, yeah. But anyway, he's awesome, awesome human being, and such a nice dude. And uh, so he's from Thailand, and he he struggled so much. Like I think he had to save up money for like. Five years until he managed to you know make the move to go to Canada and it was just like way more in stake you know like and having to give up and having to do a, a lot more sacrifices like I remember also the, the stories from the other Brazilians like uh, you know Ariel and Hickey Baroni they were all you know it, it's, it's a bit more in stake I think when you come from a country that is a little less developed and a couple more sacrifices and so that was, you know, something that I noticed from the difference of the, of the answers and, you know, the things, yeah, just things people were replying. And I mean, there is this whole like feeling of the whole struggle with feeling that you belong. That was, you know, it was, it was interesting to see different perspectives on that as well. And also like, I felt mentally hugged by a couple of answers, like, you know, the, the struggle with. The struggle with trying to be fluent in another language because like it's it's harder than you than you think you know like being really trying to find your personality and trying to find your sense of humor in another language it can be really really hard oh yeah and
0: i can't imagine yeah i didn't even think about that
1: yeah and i mean and also like communicating efficiently and I think that when I was in Sweden, I thought that my, you know, I thought that my English was okay, because in Sweden, it was no one's native language. Hmm, yeah. So, oh, yeah, okay, I, I, can, <laughs> I can speak in English, it's, you know, it's, it's going well. <laughs> and then when I came to the UK, it was like, I felt like I was starting from scratch, you know, because it's like, it was a whole new whole new speed and slangs and people here like I think that American English is way easier to understand because you guys really you know you really pronounce your words and it's way more it's way clearer I think and here in the UK like people they mumble so much and they talk so fast and I remember like because uh, you know you know anime because I was I was doing an internship there as well and uh they have like this stand-up meetings every morning that, you know, people, they just like, oh, I've done this yesterday and today I'm going to be doing this, la, la. And I remember like my first weeks there, like people would be saying stuff and I would just be like, you know, <laughs> laughing. Prete- <laughs> Smile and nod. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like yeah, nervous laughter, like pretending to be understanding and like not getting a single thing people were saying. <laughs> and just like, how am I going to pull this off? How am I going to, you know, just because... And then, like, with that, like, having a hard time understanding people, then by the time that you actually understood what people were saying, like, let's say, like, I don't know, someone made a joke. And then by the time you understood the joke, it's already too late for you to make (laughs) a funny comment about it. (laughs) And then, you know, that applies to everything, like, applies for you to being fast with your replies or the comments that you have about a project. And, you know, it is it is a big disadvantage not being a native speaker because you're not that fast. You're not that, you know, it's, it is, it is just different. And it feels that you have to just be double more alert and, you know, just literally like just trying to be fluent in a language that you, you weren't born, you know, you weren't, you didn't grow up speaking. And now I feel that like, because I'm trying to, you know, I, I, I speak in English every day and, I feel that I start to, you know, my Portuguese is starting to, I I make some very awful mistakes and I forget about words that I, very super simple words that I wasn't supposed to be forgetting. So it feels that like now instead of like, no, speaking one language really well and, you know, not knowing how to speak English that well, now I don't speak any language very well. I just speak like, (laughs) I speak okay Portuguese and okay English. But it's yeah, it's it's part
0: of the fun, I guess. Well, well, yeah. But thank you so much for for taking the time. That sounds like an an unbelievable amount of work, and um, yeah, and I think it's great for for a native. I don't know, someone who's living basically where I came from is, is a really great insight and and just a way to, um, I don't know, better empathize with with someone who who you know moved away from home. I think that. Um, yeah, no, I just learned learned a ton from it. So thank you.
1: Yeah, but I mean, again, thank you for reading. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the one grateful.
0: Well, we try to end each episode with the same few questions. Um, so the first one is, "Who is your dream client?"
1: I don't have like a specific person or a company, or I just think that like for me, like an ideal client would be someone that pays me like. It doesn't have to be like tons of money, you know, just enough for me to work in a comfortable way with maybe hopefully getting a chance to get some friends to work with me on the project as well. So, you know, pay me well and also pay me enough for me to get some people that I like as well to work together with me and give me. (laughs) So, yeah, okay, perfect client. (laughs) (laughs) Pay me, pay me, pay me enough. You know, it doesn't have to be tons of money. Give me a good deadline, because the more you work, the more you realize that good animation takes time. Give me enough of a deadline, creative freedom and something that I really care about. You know, like it could be an NGO, it could be something about LGBTQ plus, plus, plus rights. It could be, you know, just, just the cause that I care about. Yeah. Really. That, that for me is ideal. I I don't I don't think I need anything more than that. But, you know, that's likely it's likely never going to happen, but yay. You can you can only wish for. All
0: right, next question, your favorite animated film.
1: Okay, I I have I have two that I cannot pick from. Okay. One is a very it's a very obvious Lion King. Just because hey. I know all the songs, it's so good. It's
0: it has the best songs, right? Yeah, I mean, it was my first my first movie in theaters ever, so it will always hold a, a special place in my heart. How do you feel about the uh, the live action movie that they're making right now of it?
1: They're making a live action?
0: Yeah, um, I think like Childish Gambino is uh, Donald Glover's like um, Simba, and they just cast Scar, I think. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. I think it's like live action in the way that like Jungle the new Jungle book was live action. So it's basically another animated movie just CG this time. But
1: Okay, I feel very skeptical about it. I do too. But.
0: I do too. <laughs> I think it's a bit unnecessary, but you know, Disney's going to do what they're going to do. So
1: But it feels like can't people have good original ideas anymore? They just right? keep like redoing, remaking the whole, this with the very same things. It makes no
0: sense. It does. Yes. Anyway,
1: But second one, uh, have you watched The Grave of the Fireflies?
0: I have not, um, but I really, really need to. That's Studio Ghibli, right?
1: Yes. That that one is like, it's devastating. It's like, it's, I, I think if you watch that movie... And you don't cry. It's you. You. You just. You don't have a heart. You know because it's that. That movie is is so intense and it's so good, but it's it's so sad as well. It's, it's is that amazing. is that
0: where you would start with Studio Ghibli? Is that like if if you want a good introduction to Studio Ghibli, is that where you'd start?
1: Not really, actually, because I no? think it it does really represent the main vibe that i think studio ghibli gives you i would start with the with spirited away i think okay. which is yeah. am- amazing it's so good as well <laughs> but i just think that the grave of the fireflies it, it just gave me feelings that i never got from any other animation i think that's the one i think that and lion king very very opposite
0: they are no they, they definitely are i i really need to get i need to step up my my anime game just overall yeah, I I just like a lot, uh, quite a few people that I work with like really love it and get into it and have lent me many things and I just have less and less time as my life goes on, so I I need to I need to bunker down and and do it so I can talk a little bit, uh, if nothing less, if so I can talk a little bit better on this podcast about people's favorite animated films that I haven't seen. Um.
1: <laughs> yeah, you you tell me once you watch it. If if you're not feeling too depressed, you can tell me what you what you think about it.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I mean I love sad movies. So if it's like if it's a tearjerker, I'll probably love it. So sweet. All right, next next question. What do the people you love think that you do for a living?
1: Okay. I'm gonna give you the most boring answer for that. Okay. They they're all pretty aware. They really? Yeah, everyone really knows what I'm doing. That's they great. you know, there's no confusion. Like Whenever I try to explain to someone that doesn't know, like I think I, I've managed to create a good way to explain it as yeah. well. Like I, I just say like, Oh, I'm an animator and they're like, Oh, so you do Disney stuff and I was like <laughs> No <laughs> And and I can see like the you know, the shine in their eyes like slowly fading away, like, No, it's not actually Disney's the the least like glamorous kind of stuff. <laughs> and then like they, they, they get less and less excited as I am. <laughs> As I go on, like, no, it's more like the commercial stuff. So it can be anything from, you know, uh, an advert from, you know, a music video or, and they're like, ah. Oh. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Does anyone from from back in Brazil keep up with with your work and your portfolio as kind of as it unfolds?
1: Yeah. I mean, my friends, I guess. But weirdly enough, I do feel that I am more, or, you know, my work is more appreciated here than it is in Brazil. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's a feeling I get, but so thanks guys. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for the support outside of Brazil. <laughs> All
0: right. Last question. What animal did you choose for your animal eater and why?
1: So first I thought, so actually my favorite animals, they were already chosen someone did a sloth i think it was adam plough yeah yeah a long time ago so that was taken and then i thought well i could do like the obvious choice i could do like a b (laughs) (laughs) and then i thought well but that's so obvious and then the other day (laughs) the other day i had this amazing dream that i had like a. have you watched those those videos with baby goats on pajamas
0: <laughs> no, wait, you say baby goats with pajamas
1: Baby goats on pajamas. yes, you have to yeah'll <laughs> I'll send you afterwards. but it's like okay. there is a whole like there's a whole sort of what? videos of you know baby goats on pajamas <laughs> yeah, and I'm I had this amazing this is amazing. it's so good. so I had this amazing dream that I had like this tiny mini baby goat that it was like my pet, you know, and I woke up like so happy. And I was, you know what, I think I'm going to do, I'm going to combine the two ideas. I'm going to do a baby goat on a bee pajama. So that's it.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. I'm watching these YouTube videos right now, and it's pretty much the best thing ever. Um, But B, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was a pleasure to have you.
1: Dude, thank you. Super happy. It was awesome to talk to you.
0: Animalators is created by the team at IV, recorded in the Weld Nashville studio and produced by Chad Michael Snavely. To learn more, visit weld.co and chadmichael.com. To keep up with the work we're doing at IV, visit iv.studio or follow us on Twitter at Identity Visuals. You can also follow Animalators on Twitter at Animalators to keep up with all of the new episodes. And be sure to check out Animalators.com to see every animation from all of our guests. You can find out more about B and her work at her website, bgrandinetti.com, or follow her on Instagram at bzilda. Our theme music is composed by Cody Fry. You can check out more of his music at codyfry.com. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe and tell your friends. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and that helps more people find this show. As we continue to grow the show, we are now looking for potential partners who might be interested in sponsoring the show. If you have any interest in advertising on Animalators, please reach out and send an email to Alyssa at identityvisuals.com. That's A-L-Y-S-S-A at identityvisuals.com. Well, that's it for today's episode. Be sure and join us next time for another episode of Animalators, curious conversations from the world of animation.